Hello and welcome to another edition of the Moving Iron Podcast. This podcast is proudly provided by Axon, helping dealers move more iron for almost 100 years. Find out more at axontire.com. Axon was started almost 100 years ago out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. It's that same passion that drives them today. With a vision for a better experience for both farmer and dealer, they set out to create a better way to move more iron. When you partner with Axon, you get immediate access to a full range of products and solutions designed to meet the complex needs of today's grower. Axon carries all major brands and sizes of tires, wheels, and tracks. From custom colors and sizes to fully customized wheels, you can have the solution for virtually any problem today's farmer is trying to solve. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving iron time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here. Moving iron. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. Marcus with Sean Hackett. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Axon Tire, helping dealers move more iron for the past 100 years. For more information, go to axontire.com. Also, Arrow, if you're looking for a great place to, to help your salespeople sell more stuff, go to heyarrow.com. This week, as normal, I've got Sean Hackett back here with us. And Sean's nice enough to come on a couple times a week and talk about what's going on in the markets. Sean is with Hackett Financial out of Boca Raton, Florida. Sean, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing good. Real good. Well, the uh, market, the, the report last week kind of, uh, they found a bunch more stuff. You know, they raised some stocks, those kind of things. And uh, didn't really shock the market too bad because it bounced right back the next day. So I guess what are your thoughts uh, here post uh quarterly stocks report here i guess what's your thoughts about what you saw there and the effects it have on the market well the wheat number surprised the market they continue to lower production lower ending stocks and continue to show that the drought we had last year in winter wheat and the frost we had did actually do much more damage than was originally thought and so you know we've had a pretty nice rise here in the uh in the wheat complex as a result Soybeans was bearish. You know, they found more soybeans. Um, and we kind of warned about that. And of course, soybeans went the other way. And of course, corn stuck right in the middle where wheat's trying to drag it up and soybeans are trying to drag it down. And we thought the corn number was about right. Um, you know, it was it was in a kind of a normal range that I think everyone thought it would be in. So so we kind of have a bifurcated market. Bullish wheat, bearish soybeans, and corn probably neutral at this point and we go into this next week's supply demand report i think they're going to raise yields on soybeans i think they're going to reduce yields on corn i think they're going to reduce yields on wheat uh so does that mean that the soybean market drags the corn market down does that mean that the wheat market you know it's a really tough call what it exactly means other than i don't really think we're going to be looking at any major trends here casey until as harvest continues to move along until we get into the heart of the weather cycle in South America, meaning Argentina from December onward. That's where we think an historic drought is going to start to really worry the market. And that will start to bring a bid in for corn and soybeans and change the whole uh, landscape from a chopping sideways kind of a market like we've been in for quite some time 
to a trending market back up. And so we just think it's going to be uh, back, you know, a lot of a lot of a lot of choppiness right now. But we do think soybeans can make new lows here uh, into and through next week's report to place the harvest lows. We think corn's already made the harvest lows, and of course, wheat's definitely made the harvest lows. So. Right on. All right. So next week on the 12th, we have another, the October report comes out. Um, what are your thoughts there? Um, because by the 12th of October, we'll be full fledged into harvest. Everybody will be, will be going and we'll start seeing some numbers trickling, I guess. So what, what's your thoughts there on the October report coming up? I think they're, you know, they're not going to get to the ultimate right number, but they'll start moving in the right direction. So I think we think they're going to lower yields on corn. We think we need to come down to 172. Um, we don't believe they'll come down to 172 on October, you know, next week. But we think they'll start the process. If you think what they did last year, they they dripped their way down to the right number come January. Um, and soybeans, we think they're going to raise yields. We think the yields are everywhere we look; they're just surprisingly good. And so. Once again, I you know they may not raise them all the way, but I think they're going to raise them, and we're going to be looking at sort of kind of a higher yield scenario. So two markets going in opposite directions here, Casey. A bigger crop keeps getting bigger, and a smaller crop keeps getting smaller. And so when you have those two markets fundamentally going in opposite directions, it makes for a flattish market. You know, meaning there's days the corn market will drag the soybeans with it. There's days the soybean market drags the corn with it, but it's going to be hard to really muster up kind of an overall trending market higher until we, first of all, place the bottom in soybeans, which we don't believe we've done yet. And secondly, we get into the weather worry in South America, which we're not there yet. So um, if you think about it, we made the harvest lows in wheat first. We made the harvest lows in corn second. And now we're about to make the harvest lows here in soybeans within the next week or two. Once that's happened and we get typically a V bottom, then I think that at least the downside risks start to alleviate, and then we start looking for upside surprises in the, in the, in the price as we move into the critical growing season in South America. So, right on. Um, if you take a look at Russian wheat, it's still climbing. I mean, you look at wheat prices across the entire world. There's not. I don't think there's one market out there where there's not a an explosion in price. So. As you take a look at rice, move rice is wheat moving into this year. How's that going to affect rice? See, it's Freudian slip there. So, <laughs> how, how, how do you think that's going to play out? Well, I mean, we really, we really believe we're heading into a serious food shortage, panic, whichever I want to call it. The last time I really recall having one was 07, 08, where you really had panic out there. People would be panic buying stuff. Um, I remember back in early 2008 going to my supermarket and every single rice bag was already off the shelf because people were afraid we we're going to run out of rice. People were buying pallets of rice from Costco back then, if I recall. So, you know, markets when uh, you really worry about things. And so, you know, we really think that. Uh, hold on a second, Casey. Did I lose something here? No, you're good. I can hear you. Okay. Um, that uh, that these are your two go-to places. So now what we have is we have a shortage of high-quality wheat. Spring wheat, we know, one of the worst crops ever. We now have gotten downgrades in the winter wheat crop in the U.S. and the winter wheat crop in Russia. 
And a lot of that wheat is low quality. So those prices are high and getting higher and the rice market needs to pick up the flat. The other thing that's going on is we're feeding a lot of wheat and a lot of rice to animals out in Asia, especially in China, to be able to handle this corn feed shortage. So wheat and rice, I really believe, are going to be the cornerstone of the ag space as we move into this really, really nasty winter and the developing food crisis that we're going to be entering into. And those are going to be the markets that the market cannot do without. Maybe we don't have to eat meat. Maybe we don't have to eat pork. But we absolutely positively need to feed the world with wheat and rice. I would also throw in there. Uh, dairy as well. If you look at milk powder, it, it, that is a huge market around the world to satisfying protein needs. So I'd focus on, I really think those are the markets and as things get more challenging, we have these high energy prices right now, 30 to $35 natural gas in Europe and Asia. You know, their economies are not going to, ha- are not handling that very well, Casey. The, you know, the, yeah. the PMIs, the, the manufacturing indexes are collapsing. I mean, things are not going well. So think you know you, you're going to be looking at people putting their horns in and saying all right i have this budget i have these resources my money is not taking me as far as they were what i what do i absolutely have to spend my money on wheat and rice are a must cannot do without so yeah all right so staying on wheat here for a minute if you look at uh some of the weather predictions and I've been watching my weather closely because this is the time of year that we typically get our first freeze this middle of October timeframe that's coming up. Um, we're calling for uh, north of me, not that far. They're calling for like a wintry snow mix type thing on, uh, on Wednesday of next week. And then, but the further north you go, the more active that, that uh, storm system is supposed to be. So as you look at, Montana, North and South Dakota that are just, you know, really, really, really dry. And then you start looking into Candace and Oklahoma where uh, winter wheat's being planted and has been planted and, you know, getting some of that rain on top of that. I guess, what are your, what are your thoughts about that and what kind of effect do you see that having on the overall market? Well, we are, we are looking at some beneficial rains for the winter wheat. No question about it. I mean, you, you know, last year we couldn't buy a drop of rain during the planting season for winter wheat. This year, we're, it looks like we're going to get some time in the rains, and that's good. Um, at least allow the, the crop to establish itself um, in, a better, uh, in, a, in a better form than it did last year. Um, we're not really looking, you know, we've, we've been pretty clear that we've been expecting a warm October. You can always have an oddball, you know, frost that comes in, that sort of thing. But we're not really expecting um, frost risks, you know, to be a big problem in October. We just don't think that's... This is the year for that. We think, you know, we're just going to start into winter once we get into that mid-October timeframe. I mean, a mid-November timeframe and really get going. So although a frost is always possible, you know, we just don't think that that's going to be um, uh, a big concern, at least in the month of October. In the month of November, we think it's going to be a big concern. So, um, Choice Beef um, continues to battle and uh, it's getting, you know, pushed down um, over the last couple of weeks. As you take a look at that market, how, how do you feel like that's going to play out here as we go into um, the end of the year, which, you know, this is not its prime selling season, but it's been, uh, it's been getting beat up pretty good here of late. People's budgets are getting uh, tighter. You know, the inflation, the, all the bottlenecks, all the supply shortages, 
Um, you can only you, you can only take so much disposable income away before you know you have to start making some decisions. And you know, last time I checked, uh, high quality beef's not your uh, most economical item to be buying. Um, it's not kidding. Yeah. So so there's going to be a pullback on that, and I think the cattle price has kind of gotten ahead of the curve, or um, and, and started to fall, and now now the beef box price is coming down, and so it's you know it's it's you know beef is economically sensitive and um and if we're correct about this winter and escalating natural gas prices getting much higher than they already are you know it, it's going to be tough for demand for beef at the same time when we look out ahead into the spring and the summer of next year we think the supply of animals are going to get really 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 short and that um Whatever the demand base is coming into the spring, it's going to exceed our ability to satisfy it. So we're kind of a in a yin yang scenario where we're expecting this depression into the fall, which we're talking about. But we also are wildly bullish the cattle price and the beef price from spring onward because we just don't think the animals are going to be there um, to support. Even if the demand base is, on, is at a lower level, there's still not going to be enough animals. So it's um we think we're we think we're getting pretty close to making a. Uh, a fall low. I mean, if you look out at the April live cattle price, Casey, we think maybe the 130 area could be what, you know, we might need to come down there to finish off this correction, but we think we're going to do that in October and then we can kind of begin a bottoming pattern and, and, and put the low in. So we're, we're not quite there yet, but we think we're three quarters of the way through this correction that we've been warning about. So. Well, good deal, Sean. Plenty of stuff going on right now. Plenty of things to pay attention to if folks want to reach out to you and get more information about Hacker Financial and what you can do for them. What's the best way to do that? Our website is Hackett, H-A-C-K-E-T-T, advisors.com, podcasts, sample reports, white papers, all kinds of things on there to give you a really good understanding of what we do to see if we could be of some service to your listeners. Right on. I'm Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Make sure you check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. That's where you're going to find the latest editions of the Moving Iron Podcast. Also, go to movingironllc.com and you can find everything that is Moving Iron. So, with that, I'm Casey Seymour with Sean Hackett. Let's go smart, folks. Out. You want to have a meaningful competitive advantage to help sell more equipment. Whether you represent the sales, parts, or management department of an implement dealership, there's a surprising amount of complexity when it comes to tire, wheel, and track technology. Let Axon worry about that so you can get back to supporting your customers. Axon has leveraged years of experience to create a streamlined process that gives you a proven path to help today's grower and sell more equipment. The roots of their organization go back almost 100 years to the invention of the rubber tractor tire. Supporting agriculture is the number one driver of Axon from product development through sales and service. To find more or become an Axon dealer, head over to axontire.com. In the 21st century Hard-working people Working hard for you and me Moving higher Time and time again Through the years you'll find us here Moving higher